You either love them or you hate them. Either way, welcome to the Away Fixture, your home for all things Premier League. I'm your host, Dakota Rock, coming at you from the Away section for stadiums across England. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another week of the Away Fixture, Episode 6. Project Big Picture is the one this is titled, just because this is the story that has caught everybody by storm. It's blown up on Instagram, blown up on Twitter. It is what it is. We'll get into it in a little bit. First off, international break. International break can be a little tipsy-turvy. Lots of good times, lots of bad times. Everybody seems to be bored with international break. One thing I am really concerned with international breaks right now now is every time we go on an international break it seems like somebody is coming back with coronavirus it seems like somebody is testing positive and putting their domestic teams at risk what can we do about this i'm not sure what we can do about it i think i don't think it's possible to put international games on pause right now i don't think that would be bad for the game but at the same time it would definitely help the domestic leagues at the same time i know there's euro qualifiers going on uefa nations league league games going on england just had a big two one win over Belgium at the weekend didn't look good in the first half looked better in the second half somehow their favorites win the Euro don't get me started on that we'll get into that in another episode if I decide to do an international episode going into that but what's caught everybody off guard what's caught everybody's big attention is project big picture what is it it's essentially a new vision for English football is what people are saying it's led by Liverpool's owner John W. Henry, along share along with shareholder Mike Gordon, the United Glazier family, and the EFL chairman Rick Perry. There's a lot of details within this plan. I'm going to go over a little bit. I'm going to go over a couple of them. I don't want to get too into it just because there's some stuff that I don't fully understand. A lot of this stuff I can piece together. I can pick, put together. But a lot of it is just over my pay grade, over my degree, over my wealth and knowledge here, no matter how much I would look into it or try to look stuff up. Um, some of the big things going into this project, big picture, is most crucially it would immediately present two. 150 million pounds to the EFL as well as well as a cumulative 100 million pounds fund to the FA to cover losses and provide investment for the women's game the National League and grassroots football Premier League clubs currently receive 92% distributable revenues but this would be reduced to 75% under the proposals as 25% would instead go to the EFL per club this would raise championship income by 15.5 million pounds league one income by 3.5 million pounds and league two income by 2.3 million pounds another big detail in this proposal is the premier league will be cut from its 20 current teams to 18 17 and 18 will be relegated whereas 16th will be put into a playoff with the championships third fourth and fifth place teams this is nothing new Within football, though, the way this relegation system will work, we'll get into that in a little bit. The Community Shield and Carabao Cup will also be scrapped during this proposal. The voting would also change. The new proposal would guarantee voting rights to the nine clubs that at any given moment have spent the longest extended period in the top flight. This would currently be established top six plus Southampton, West Ham, and Everton. The document says that it would take only an agreement of two-thirds of the long-term stakeholders in effect six teams to legislate over several key issues including vetoing prospective new owners of other premier league clubs the premier league ceo position itself and how broadcasting income is distributed as well as competition rules so right now the voting 
the way it stands is 14 out of 20 votes need to be in favor of the proposal or the perspective rule being put into place for it to go into effect. That would be cut down in this new proposal. The new proposal also suggests a hard salary cap for the championship League 1 and League 2, while clubs would also be forced to comply with UEFA-style financial play regulations. There are further advantages proposed for top clubs, for instance, how a Premier League side would be able to loan out 15 players at once, including four players to the same club and recall loanees if the manager changes. Clubs would also be allowed to sell executive rights to eight of their live matches per season direct to to supporters via digital platforms in all international territories. All right, so what I said was big mouthful. It's rumbled. It got stuck under my tongue a little bit, but this proposal is massive within the Premier League, within the Prem. It's good in ways and it's bad in ways. The way it caught Twitter, the way it caught social media is negative and it's really caught a bad image, negative vibes going around it. A lot of people are saying it's a lot of money hungry, greedy people at the top within the top six clubs and part of me would say that's true. Um, But if we're looking at it thoroughly, I think we're missing the big picture here. I think right now in this unprecedented time, our the EFL is really struggling to keep teams up. I think I saw, I saw a quote by Rick uh, Perry who, or no, Andy Pilly, I apologize, saying that six to 10 clubs are in danger of going entering administration before Christmas. Andy Pilly is the Fleetwood Town chairman, and that's scary. That's six out of 10 teams. That's six to 10 teams entering administration by Christmas in a month and a half, essentially. And this deal, essentially, without going too far into it at the moment, would help them out, would get them out of danger within going to administration and a lot of other teams as well. So so we're going to get into a little bit of logistics here. So who accepts the proposal? So the top six are significant advocates, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, and Man City, along with Liverpool and Manchester United. And there have also been discussions with individual positions as well. It is understood that the mass vast majority of League One and Two clubs see the benefit of the proposals, in, both in terms of the short-term bailout of £250 million, in addition to a more equitable distribution of television money in the long term. So this is essentially helping them out. One executive advocate, at a league club league one club explains the efl is in such a bad position something has gone wrong it can't continue who is coming up with a solution nobody except for manchester united and liverpool there is disagreement on everything in the efl and we never get a consensus whether it is resuming the league after lockdown or doing the playoffs we never get anywhere time is not on our side and if it stays this way clubs will go bust that chairman it gets doesn't get named within the article i found on the athletic um it also talks about so yes we are at the mercy of rich really rich guys but it is good someone is taking initiative as everything else on the table is so limited is it is it a disaster to have more power for the top six doesn't every industry have big players this proposal will make clubs more stable in the lower leagues and now it will make more sense to own a lower league club this will save many clubs from going bust so the way they're getting at is yes it helps out the premier league owners the top six premier league owners and we'll get into the 
downsides of it with the lower teams but essentially this really helps the EFL teams and a lot of the negativity that came around on social media from what I was seeing was everything about the Premier League everything about the lower league the lower half of the Premier League I'm sorry but I think we're missing the fact that this bails out a lot of the English Football League and the English football teams who are in danger of going into administration I'll get into my opinion in a little bit um but I do see the positives and negatives. I think going forward, we're going to talk a little bit more. There was also warning that the alternative options may be far worse. Barnsley's co-chairman, Paul Conway, told The Athletic Project Big Picture would judicially reallocate more media revenue to the EFL and hopefully rein in the reckless spending which endangers the EFL. Perry, Rick, Rick, Rick Perry from the, says, from the comments from clubs today to me, it is a surprise to them, but it feels like unity in the professional game reuniting for the first time since the formation of the Premier League it is hard to imagine another proposal coming close. So those are some of the fours. We're going to get into some of the negatives, and then we're going to get into a deeper dive into the winners and losers of each of the proposed rules. So who opposes this plan? So there's a lot of concerns about the parachute payments, which would stop for those clubs relegated from the top flight. While the changes to the Premier League voting rights have raised alarm bells, currently any changes to top flight regulations demand 14 votes in favor and every team has a vote, which I kind of touched on in a earlier in the episode, yet the United and Liverpool proposal insists that only the nine longest serving Premier League clubs at any given time would be given a vote. This would include matters such as the distribution of television income, but also on-pitch issues such as recently hotly disputed five substitution rule, which was adopted during lockdown, but then banished for the new season. The Premier League's chief executive, Richard Masters, is said to have been working around the clock to secure a consensus to secure a consensus for a Premier League bailout, but he wants a deal that protects all the top flight's members, rather than placing excessive power into the hands of a select few clubs. Both the Premier League chairman, Gary Hoffman, and CEO Masters were cut out of secret talks, angering several clubs. One Premier League club source described the developments as dispiriting. Another Premier League club executive was furious he had discovered the news on a newspaper website. It was never, it has never been mentioned to us, they said. That's why it's such a disgrace. Same old thing. Big clubs working out ways where they get to keep the money and the power. The other clubs will come down on Woodward like a ton of brook, bricks. So you can see the, you can see the anger, see the opposition to this proposal one that it never even got told to them you're learning about it through the telegraph you're learning about it in the guardian or the sun or even just on twitter or social media in general and that's the world we live in now so many things get broken on social media before you even want them to get out you say one thing to one person and all of a sudden boom it's in every newspaper around the world it's in every front stand every street corner game passed out another source premier league source said it was yet another attempt by the big six to create more space in the calendar for european competitions while other sources said the proposed uefa style financial play restrictions would make it nigh on impossible for a new owner to ever spend significantly enough to gate crash the elite also the top six clubs alone under revised governance rules could themselves veto a takeover from a rich investor they perceive as a threat so this would be more financial play i do believe the calendar 
would open up a lot of time for European competitions and a lot more rest. I think we'll get into that in a little bit. I'll bring up a situation this year with Tottenham just because it's the most recent situation and the fact that it was probably the most extreme that I've seen in a while. Going through their European qualification along with the Carabao Cup and the Premier League going on at the same time. Meanwhile, not all championship clubs are as united as Perry suggests. Sources close to the clubs with immediate ambitions to be promoted to the Premier League describe them as highly unimpressed on Sunday and hit out at the greed of the established elite. Indeed, one club in the lower tiers was actively opposed with their chairman, saying effectively it would crystallize the power of the big six in perpetuality and also lead to the formation of a Premier League 2 with an increased gap between that and League 1. The detail is still missing, but the timing is classic exploitation of the short-term crisis with a few dog bones to smooth the transition. Another championship chief executive cautioned, It may be easy to get the buy-in from the EFL, but I doubt it has enough votes to pass in the Premier League. Fulham, Burnley, West Brom, Sheffield United, Leeds, Crystal Palace, and Brighton would have no interest in backing it. One of the championship peers added, but I'll keep an open mind as we assess it. The clear losers are the lower half of the Premier League who have got far too big for their boots. So again, after reading who is against it, who proposes it, the only words you can say are, wow. Um, This is just, it's so much going on within this proposal, so much back and forth, so much acceptance, but so much negativity and people just opposing to it as well. Some of the big changes that we've kind of talked about earlier, going to get into now, going to get into the losers, winners, and the proposal to begin with. The first proposal that we kind of talked about was a $250 million pound prepayment to the EFL to cover lost revenues from 2019 and 20 and 20 and 21 and 100 million pounds for the FA of which 25 million pounds is for national league clubs 10 million pounds for grassroots 10 million for the women's professional game and the rest of for the FA itself the premier league will borrow this money and make it available as soon as the plan is approved so we're talking about this we're talking about the buyout that we kind of touched on earlier with the EFL and the Premier League. The winners are everybody. All clubs playing at closed stadiums will get their missing match day income, saving some from bankruptcy, especially the EFL clubs, the 6-10 to 10 that the Fleetwood man chairman Andy Pilly kind of touched on that are in danger of any administration. Hopefully that wouldn't be the case anymore. The government will also be off the hook for funding the National League, which are the teams below league one and league two so these are just normal almost like sunday league teams in america we don't have the type of national league that they do over in europe it's kind of like the end or maybe we're we could compare it to the npsl and the nisa leagues over here so that's kind of that it's the ones that kind of don't get talked about the ones that are making bare minimum every month playing for these teams So their season only started earlier this month when it received a promise that public money will cover its costs and the Premier League will get to look like heroes. The losers, insolvency, practitioners, property developers, nobody to whom football fans will have much sympathy for. Another big change that we talked about was the community shield and the Carabao Cup will be scrapped. So these are very significant tournaments cups within English football. They're the ones that everybody, especially the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup, the FA Cup's not in danger, but the Carabao Cup kind of is. These are the ones that the lower clubs kind of look forward to because they can make magic runs into the depths of the tournament 
play against bigger teams, have the big teams come visit them at their stadium, play at their stadium. So it's like the games where Manchester United will go play Huddersfield Town or even lower than that, maybe a Brentford or a Blackpool or Bradford, teams like those. So without that, you don't get, without the Carabao Cup, you don't get those types of games anymore. You don't get the games where a lower side club can come out on top against a premier league team no matter what the community shield i don't think i think some people will miss it i'm not i'm not a big fan of the community shield i think it's the fa cup it's the fa cup winners versus the premier league winners and to me it's just kind of it's the game that kicks off the season kind of but at the same time we could do without it it's just a preseason game anyway a lot of teams have started playing their b teams and you don't it's just The Community Shield has never had any magic or love in my heart, no place in my heart for that game. I would miss the Carabao Cup a little bit, though, due to the reasons I was just talking about, missing the games against lower side teams where they can come up against a Premier League team and beat them and move on the upsets. The winners, again, this is about clearing time and space for the likes of Liverpool and Manchester United and the top six teams to really play their champions league games their european games the games against teams that really matter they'll get their rest so they wouldn't be playing a Carabao cup game on tuesday and then playing a champions league game on wednesday as tottenham had to do this um season already they went two weeks in a row where they were playing saturday or sunday over the weekend and then they were playing tuesday and then thursday again during that qualification for the europa league which is kind of outrageous actually playing three games at this high level and games that matter that much and you really can't bench your best players in those games really you're gonna have to play some of them at least you're not gonna put a standalone b team or your reserve team out there for any of those games because then you're gonna get bashed for not caring about the league and caring about that cup you're just gonna be focusing on yourself and at the same time no lower side club really wants to play against a b team they don't look forward to that as much they want to play against the best of the best to see how good they are really losers this is another blow for anybody not taking part in european competition as it means fewer fixtures in general and fewer potential chances to play against one of the bigger clubs but this has not gone down as badly as you might have thought which says a lot about the league cups declining popularity that said several efl clubs have told the athletic they relish the chance to play premier league clubs even if they are often reserve sides these days and if any competition is deserves to chop it's the uninvolved efl trophy the unloved efl trophy i'm sorry can't read (laughs) been out of school too long i'm forgetting how to do that a little bit but at the same time a lot of clubs can say this these are probably the owners and the coaches talking but as a player you're relishing the chance you you don't care that it's the top side then you might get battered you don't want to go up against reserve sides I remember one of the things that I always looked forward to as a player especially during the spring season was playing a non-traditional season game against a team of higher level than me I always loved playing against teams where I can challenge myself and see where I stand among the best of the best when it comes to that another big thing would be the Premier League distribution so the proposal is the total amount of Premier League will distribute to its 18 clubs will fall from 92% to the rights of the rights income to 75% with a big change to the distribution formulate formula instead of the sponsorship income and half of the domestic and international media rights being divided evenly 
with the rest according to the number of times each club is picked for broadcast in the UK and merit payments. Related to finishing positions, the whole pot will now be shared on a 50-25-25 basis. Half will be shared equally with 25% being divided for current season merit payments and the final 25% awarded for a club's three-year aggregate position. The winners here... The EFL clubs are the biggest beneficiaries of this financial redistribution as they now see their share of the total pot grow from 8% to 25%, but the Premier League's best teams also do very well out of the move and sharing of the income on a merit base with the three-year aggregate component, which does not include the season just completed being a useful hedge against the occasional bad season. So yeah, that's from going from 8% to 25% total pot that's shared among EFL clubs, that is massive. That's almost a 13, no, a 17% increase for the EFL clubs. That's massive. I mean, you talk about the EFL clubs, and especially nowadays, especially this year, they've, they're have they barely making anything. And to see their um, money grow, their share of the distribution grow from 8% to 25% is massive. The losers, there's another move away from the relatively equitable distribution of income that has been the Premier League's hallmark for 20 years. Until recently, the champions only earned 1.6 times more in central revenue than the team that finished last. That ratio has edged out to one 0.8 to 1 in the most recent three-year TV rights cycle as the big six were eventually granted a bigger share of the Bergenine international rights income. So that's that's big. So the big six would ultimately gain more. So the lower side teams won't gain as much, which is obviously a loss for them. It's a big issue when you're talking about the lower half of the Premier League, which you can see why a lot of anger and a lot of disappointment is coming from this proposal in terms of that. The EFL distribution, as mentioned above, as we talked about earlier, the EFL received 25% of the net income, which is estimated to be £758 million. This will be shared between the divisions on a 75-15-10 basis with the Championship and League One sharing 85% of their portions equally among their clubs and 15% via merit payments. All of League Two's money will be shared equally. So the winners, a lot of this this money stuff, it, I don't really understand. I understand it to an extent that I can talk to you about it and mention it, um, but I can't really dive into it too far. Um, so I'm just kind of giving you the surface area when it comes to all this money stuff. This is So the winner of this one is... Um, the owners and the financial directors, the percentage of the total income each league gets more than triples with the average championship club seeing its income raised by 15.5 million. League one clubs gain 3.5 million more and league two clubs are enjoying a boost of 2.3 million. So we talked about that earlier. I kind of gave you those numbers a little bit earlier. The losers, I'm not too sure of. I'm not too sure who loses within this, especially within the EFL and the League 1 and League 2. Parachute payments. So the parachute payments are the payments Premier League clubs receive when they are relegated to the championship. These will be phased out from 22 to 23 and completely scrapped a year later, which if this proposal passes, that will be how it takes effect. Very simply, all EFL clubs are winners within this because this is where a big chunk of their increased income is coming from, the relegated teams. 
that's where the relegated team's big chunk of their increased income is coming from. Pre-COVID-19, the Premier League was going to dish out nearly $243 million to clubs recently relegated from the league last season. It's kind of the reason they were kind of doing this was to encourage clubs to go for it when they came up, come up from the championship, thereby improving its product. The impact big parachute payments have had on the championship, however, has been disastrous, with a third of clubs propped up by Premier League cash, forcing the others into an arms race most cannot afford. The result was a wage turnover ratio of 107% in 2019 to 2019. 2018 to 2019, I'm sorry about that, and cumulative losses of 300 million pounds. In an appearance before a committee of MPs at the start of the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis, EFL chairman Rick Perry called called parachute payments an evil he wanted to eradicate. This would be a personal triumph. Losers, teams relegated after 2023 will miss them, but even they might acknowledge scrapping them should make the championship a fairer contest. So essentially, no, it's it's no wonder that teams from the championship are normally the same teams. The same teams from the championship game promoted year after are the same teams getting relegated from the Premier League, because when you're earning two hundred and forty million pounds just for getting relegated, and you have that money to really buy players and everything else, it's no like it's you're really essentially just adding on. You're building a Premier League club in the championship. So you're playing Premier League players against championship players. And ultimately, that's never going to work out. It's not fair to the rest of the championship, to League One or League Two. And I now see why it's mainly the same teams getting promoted every single year, which that's something I never knew. I never knew the parachute payments existed within the Premier League or even how much they even got. So it makes sense now to me. And I think the parachute payments we could easily get rid of or even decrease. It doesn't even have to be getting rid of them. It's decreasing them in a way to even out the playing field just a tad bit even. Also within, I thought this was really cool. Within the proposal, fans in the match day experience would be better. So the proposal includes a plan for Premier League away tickets to be capped at £20 with away travel subsidized and a minimum away allocation of 3,000 fans subject to government approval. Clubs given the choice to introduce self-standing sections. So this this is big. So normally the teams have... they generate their own prices for tickets, the home team for the allocation of the away tickets. Most clubs also don't allow as nearly as many fans as other clubs. So each club allows a different number of fans per away section. So a minimum away allocation of 3,000, that's huge, especially when you're coming into a smaller stadium, say like Goodison Park or Craven Cottage, like if they can imagine this day up, which doesn't quite look like right now at the moment. But imagine 3,000 fans in an away section in those small stadiums. That could be massive for an away club. So the winners of this are fans, pubs, train buffet, cars, broadcasters, all clubs, anyone who really likes football, essentially. So that's that's the whole rundown of Project Big Picture, whether it be the crucial information you need to know, the winners or the losers, who's opposed to it, who's accepting it. Going to kind of get into it now. I'm going to get into my own little opinion here. So this proposal really has a lot going for it. 
I think, in my opinion, I think overall, it has the right idea. It has the right intentions in mind. I think there are some tweaks and some things that need to be taken care of for it to fully be what it can be, such as the voting thing. I think 9 out of 18, I don't think, if they did go to it, 9 out of 18 votes isn't going to quite work. I think they need to at least have a majority. I think they need to go into either 11 or 12 of the teams needing to vote in favor of for new proposals to launch and new proposals to happen. I think that's one of the things that need to be re-looked at. But essentially, when it comes to the buyout of the EFL, I love that idea right now, especially when there's so much going on within that league right now. Everybody talks about, and I've seen it on Twitter, I follow a lot of people who are big EFL fans, big EFL supporters, and when it comes to it, everything I see is, oh, that's the biggest football, that's the best football that you can watch. The Premier League is all about money, all about the prima donnas and the fancy stuff and you get the real real nitty gritty type of football the love of football for from the football league sides the EFL sides but these are the same people who are opposed to this proposal whose clubs are possibly facing administration here in the year next year or two because of COVID so this is this would be huge for the EFL clubs and it would be big for the grassroots giving a hundred million to the fund at the FA to cover losses and provide investment for the women's game national league and grassroots. Like that's huge because without the grassroots, you don't have future England national team stars coming through. You don't have those diamond in the roughs that we always like to talk about coming through. You don't have kids running around playing organized football and everything like that. And I think that's where the love of the game really starts is no matter where you play, no matter if it's on the street, if it's in the organized, at some point, that's where you develop the love of the game. You don't develop the love of the game fully sitting in front of a TV watching teams on the TV or whatever. And essentially, if you're in one of those cities with a lower league team, and you could essentially lose the team here with administration soon and we could have easily done something about it but we didn't because the government hasn't really come to the rescue when it comes to the EFL clubs yet they haven't done anything so we're really just sitting around waiting for somebody to come through like I gave in the quote earlier about the EFL chairman talking about that as well he's he's like oh well no one else is coming around and finally our Manchester United and Liverpool and the rest of the big six are coming to our rescue like how can we say no to this like this is what we've been waiting on and it finally it's finally here and it's not from our government who has been sitting around for months on end with nothing to show for I also love I personally like the cutting the league and this has been a big negative on Twitter that I've seen and it's the Premier League cutting the league from 20 teams to 18 teams to me I'm not too mad about that. I wouldn't be too mad about that. The less teams, it's less games that matter. So the league, with the league being cut from 20 to 18 teams, that also means the number of games will be cut in the league. And that's, you don't have those extra games sitting around where you can hope for an extra couple points. You really have to play every game as this as if it's the one that's going to determine it. And the 17-18 being relegated and the 16th team playing a playoff with the championships, third place, fourth place, and fifth place, that's nothing new. 
within football. Uh, League One in France has already actually established that. They established that after the 2016-2017 season where, so the League One in France, they have 18, they have a 20-team system. 19 and 20 get relegated. 18th will play the third place team in League Two over two legs to the to determine the final promotion and relegation spot. So it gives that 16th team a chance to really stay up if they can prove themselves enough where they have shown that, yeah, these other three teams in the championship aren't better than us, so we get the spot there. So I like that. Again, it's just the the voting thing really throws me off. Other than that, I, I, I'm in favor of this. I mean, you get yes and... We all know John Henry and the Glazier family are American and an American money runs sports over here. And we know that. And could this be them just being American in their mindset saying, oh, we need to run sport. We need to make all the money. If we're not making the money, then nobody should be making the money. And that's kind of the idea you get from this. But at the same time, it's not like that overall. There's a lot of talk over here in the states and within the ncaa especially and about how the power five conferences should just move and break off the ncaa and i'm not going to get into that um but that's just the rumors that you hear in the talks that you see on twitter and everything like that especially when it comes to the idea of paying athletes to play for these schools um but essentially that's what's going on but other than that i do like this proposal and you can we can agree to disagree but there's a lot of good stuff within this proposal and like I said before there are stuff that there's stuff that needs ironed out essentially the voting and possibly a couple other things but I mean the overall idea of this proposal is in good faith here the competition changes I don't mind that because it like I said it allows more time for these European Champions League and Europa League game league Europa League games to be played and it's giving these teams more incentive to play their top teams no matter what leg it is in the tie or whatever it is and maybe it would increase incentivize the teams that are just seven eight nine ten maybe because those teams are really close when it comes to points every single year we've seen it the middle of the table is very popular and very close within the premier league so maybe it will give them an extra incentive to go forward a little bit not that not that they don't have incentive already i think everybody plays every top 10 team within the premier league plays for those champions league and europa league spots but maybe it will just push them a little further but essentially that's that's the episode that's what we're talking about we're talking about project big picture and essentially i would love to hear your guys feedback on what you guys think of project big picture but those are my thoughts i like it i think there's some things that do i like it all no i like the majority of about 95 percent of it i like and i think if we just get ri- if we just make tweaks to some things i think this could essentially be good for european fo- for english football um so that's going to wrap it up guys um i know we only talked about one topic here i'm so happy to be back with you guys actually i missed you guys last week and i apologize about that things were just coming up and hitting me left and right really and i went to record and had a major migraine so couldn't even focus that day really eyes were killing me but essentially guys if you guys could go on to spotify and 
Apple and like my stuff, like the episodes, give me a rating, give me a review. Those help more than you guys ever know. Go subscribe. If you guys like the episode, hit the retweet button. Let's get this episode out to a lot of people. Let's get it out on social media more than we have in the past. Hit me up on Twitter's Instagram. It's at the away fixture. I'm also on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google, wherever you find your local podcasts. All right, guys, international break is almost over. We have some big games this week. At the We got the Mary Seaside Derby. We got Arsenal City, some big games coming up. Aston Villa and Everton are still sitting at the top of the table. Unbelievable start from Aston Villa and along with Everton. Who would have thought those two teams after four games would be sitting at the top of the table? I know I did not if you did, let me know because I'm pretty impressed with that. Also, guys, I'll see you next week. I'm looking forward to getting this back, getting it back going. I'll see you guys.